<laughs> Welcome to Europhile. I'm Catherine Rory. And I'm Kate Walker. Hi, Welcome. Kat. Hi, Kate. Hi. <laughs> What's up? How How's you? your week going? It's good. Let's get this out of the way. We need to talk about this. Okay? <laughs> what? Stanley Tucci's Oh, dear God. Show. We pain. need to talk about it. Beautiful pain. What what is it about him? He is so chic. He is so calming. He is the best oh, voice. He's the most elegant man. Oh, oh God, I love him. I love him so much. You can tell he lives in London. Yes, like the way he mm-hmm. the way he dresses for sure. Totally, like little polos and kind of tight know. pants, sweaters, like turtleneck. Yeah. Oh my God, a guy in a turtleneck. I mean, we've said it before, and we'll say it again. <laughs> Yum. I, that hits. <laughs> that hits. Forever and always. Guy in a turtleneck. <laughs> um, um, but you watch the... a tight one, okay? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you watched the Rome episode. Yes. Right? I did. When you were there, did you ever have that big cream puff thing? Because that N- no, never. unreal. Oh, my God. Never. I don't know why. I've had, like... Coronetti, which is just a croissant. Oh, okay. We didn't go for breakfast. Okay. Places. Yeah. Like that was just not something that I. That did. makes sense. I don't know why. I think I just didn't eat breakfast. You then. would probably rather go out for dinner. Yeah, I mean, I we were poor too, so like, yeah. you know, Euro gelato or like <laughs> pasta arrabbiata somewhere that is like the cheapest yeah. pasta. <laughs> You know, it's just mm-hmm. funny. But um, yeah, I loved it. You haven't seen... I've seen all three other... episodes oh, now. Have, we okay. binged them this weekend. Okay, good. Ischia. Okay, wow. I feel really dumb because I've been talking about Ischia to everyone. And I've been saying Ischia. Like, I know <laughs> yeah. what I'm doing. <laughs> I wouldn't have known and to now... correct you. So I was like, yeah. oh, Kate's talking about Ischia. That's like the new place to go. well i only was talking about it because i was reading a book and they go there and it's like italy set in the 50s oh right right so it's probably just idyllic yes untouched i bet so cat yes it's your yes wait should we talk about our weeks what the fuck (laughs) oh well i also am dying to talk about the pasta that i made yesterday (gasps) okay oh you guys okay okay what is it walk us through so take us there we did two different types of pasta. We uh-huh. made um, a beet pasta so that you had to make a beet puree that you fold into the dough so that the dough is pink. Uh-huh. And then the inside was pecorino, goat cheese, mm-hmm. ricotta, Meyer lemon, mm-hmm. blanched parsley, and blanched mint. Oh, was my God. And then the sauce boy. was just the Meyer lemon zest, butter, and toasted pine nuts. Oh my god. So good. So that was our first course. And then Mm -hmm. our second pasta course was homemade fettuccine with my sister made, like it took hours on the stove, a bolognese. It was so good. And then I made vanilla panna cotta with an orange syrup, which was also great. It was so good. And we had lots of natural wine. Oh my god. It was gorgeous. And we have extra capoletti left. So I'm like, hmm. Do I tuck into that later tonight? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I think I should. 
when you watch the new episode of Stanley Tucci Oh my god, show. yes. Yep, every Sunday. Mm-hmm. Tune in. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Not an ad, mm-hmm. just a recommendation. Just a solid wreck. <laughs> How was your week? It was good. Speaking of Stanley Tucci, I'm going to talk about this now because I don't know if I recommend it really. Oh. I watched Supernova this week mm. and it's with Stanley Tucci and Colin Firth. Right. And literally the trailer about, made me cry. It is <sighs> devastating. It is heartbreaking. Oh. It is hard to watch, which like it's amazing. They're both absolute masters. Right. You know. It was hard to watch, and that's why I don't know if I recommend it particularly. Like, is that the mood I'm going for? Not really. It's a downer. Like, it's there's nothing that you're like, wow. Yeah, you're like, fuck, that just, what the fuck? Yeah. You know? Like, let me curl up and, like, (laughs) be devastated and then fall asleep. Yeah. But it's very sweet. Like, you know that they're friends in real life. Yeah. And just... It's, it's hard to watch yeah but it's so beautiful well i still want to watch that movie i know no, i'm I gonna know. watch it eventually probably maybe this week yeah shall i get started on Please. our topic today yeah. so we're mm-hmm. going to austria basically vienna yeah. which like mm. i'm dying to go there i've never been me neither i'm dying to go we're going to dip our toes back into the art world because mm. i loved your louvre episode we're going to oh, talk yes. about Gustav Klimt today. Yes. <laughs> Thank God. Yes. Yes. I mean. The kiss. The kiss. The woman in gold. Mm. Mm. We're going to talk about it and we're going to go on mm. two. Master. Two tangents that are related right. to him too. I'll bring those up when the time comes. Okay. <gasps> so. I'm positively <laughs> abuzz. <Great>. So. <laughs> Um, he was born on July 17th, Cancer, soft little boy, 1862, (laughs) passed away at the age of 55 on February 6th, 1918. So, Mm -hmm. you know, turn of the century art Mm -hmm. bohemian vibes Mm -hmm. going on in Vienna. Mm -hmm. He was born right outside Vienna and was the oldest of seven children. He lived in poverty. Um, when he mm. was a student of arts and crafts at what, mm. what is now the University of Applied Arts in Vienna, very well-renowned school. There he studied architectural painting from 1876 to oh. 1883. Eight years studying <laughs> architectural yeah. painting, which is pretty amazing. Uh-huh. Not obviously what he's known for. Yeah. So he kind of transitions mm. later on into like more personal art. Mm-hmm. So he and his brother Ernst and their friend Franz, I just love all the names, Gustav, mm. Ernst, and Franz are like, let's start a business oh. of painting murals. Best friends. <laughs> Three little friends are like, let's paint some murals and do some mm. commissioned work together and let's mm-hmm. like make bank. Mm-hmm. He did see, unlike, you know, so many artists, he saw success very early on in his career. Okay, blessed. Right. Mm-hmm. But because he was like a, a painter of architectural design and decorations that were like pretty conventional. So, okay. but I think, you know, that's like set up the groundwork for them, for him to eventually, sure. you know, by then he was well known and you then he's like, I can do it. And then you can do what you right. want. Right, precisely. Yeah. 
1888, he received the Golden Order of Merit from Emperor Franz Joseph the mm. First of Austria for his mm-hmm. contributions to murals painted in the Berg Theater in Vienna. So, like, really, oh, he was killing it, getting okay. high awards for his talent. He also became an honorary member of the University of Munich and the University of Vienna, just to hone in on how successful he was. Okay. And then in 1892, disaster, tragedy strikes, and his Mm -hmm. father and Ernst both die. And I don't know how. Don't know what happened to them. Oh, my God. I know. And this deeply affected him cancer soft boy yes yeah this is where his artistic style and like vision changes to like Mm. more personal than like the commercial stuff that he was doing okay you know he loses Mm. his brother and his business partner like it's terribly tragic Mm. so i think now he's like okay it's my time to like work for myself and he starts making paintings um inspired by nuda veritas which means naked truth. Okay. And in Roman mythology, Veritas was the goddess of truth. And mm. this is kind of fun. Historians think that it was his way of commenting on the social and political problems in Austria. Mm. It's like, here's the naked truth. Let me show you mm-hmm. what you should mm-hmm. be seeing and like doing for the people. And he was super into eroticism. <laughs> Sensual. And, like, yeah. you're inspired by Nuda Veritas, like, naked mm-hmm. women's bodies, basically. Mm-hmm. That was his primary subject, was the female body. Love a nude. No wonder you're inspired, because they're beautiful. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> and in the early 1890s, he meets fashion designer Emilie Louise Fluga. So we'll call her Emilie. Okay. So she's a sibling of his sister-in-law so ernst who passed away had a wife and this is oh, her okay. younger sister okay. and they would be companions gustav and emily mm. for the rest of their lives i think she was 12 years younger than him okay. and the kiss is said to be a portrait of gustav and emily and here's a little fun fact about the kiss uh-huh. it is really big yes i did not know I that did it's know like that. six yeah. feet by six feet and it's a square yeah which I was like, oh my god, that's so much gold used. I, I know. <laughs> that's wild. I can't wait to... I know I'm going to be like emotional if I ever see that. Oh my god, I know. Yeah. So she's so fun. She's a fashion designer. Mm-hmm. I, I was just like super into her. So I was like, I need to know more about her. So we'll go mm-hmm. on a tangent in like a second. Great. Because he also designed many costumes for her that she produced and modeled in his paintings. So he was, like, super into fashion, too, which I think is cool. Mm -hmm. Cutie. This is shocking. During this period of his life, he is believed to have fathered, guess how many children? Twelve. Fourteen. Jesus. That's literally exactly what I ever done. I was like, Jesus Christ. (laughs) It's said that he had had an affair with every woman in his paintings. (gasps) He painted. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, my God. That's I that know. is the shit I came for. <laughs> yes. That is the Me stuff too. I want to know. <laughs> and according to one of my sources, this made me giggle. Klimt was something of a Lothario 
well a lothario don juan and romeo all put together <laughs> he oh. was highly sexually active never married and is rumored to have slept with every woman he painted despite numerous affairs with his models he claimed the love of his life was Emilie fluga oh yeah and she never married wow. either which i thought i found interesting as far wow. as i could tell how bohemian i know exactly <laughs> so let's talk about Emilie. she okay, okay. Um, was born August 30th, 1874. Virgo. And in 1904, she opened an haute couture business with her sister, Helene, and established mm -hmm. herself as a very successful businesswoman. Her designs were basically made to fit the person, and they were usually, like, loose and patterned, exact, like, mm. bohemian, kind of exactly like... Exactly like what we see. Yes, or, exactly. Yeah. And she traveled to Paris and London and familiarized herself with Coco Chanel, Christian Dior. Mm -hmm. And then when she returned to Austria, sadly, Austria was annexed into Nazi Germany in 1938. Mm -hmm. She lost all of her key clients and was forced to mm -hmm. close the shop, which by then was oh. like the leading fashion venue oh. in Vienna. Mm -hmm. She, like Gustav, was a member of the Viennese Bohemian... Avant-garde circles. Right, exactly. Yeah. Like poets, uh -huh. artists, writers, yeah. painters, mm -hmm. everything. Mm -hmm. And, like, what a vibe. You know? Like, Amazing. can I just go to a cafe Amazing. at that time with, and, like, hang out I with know. them? Just I know. You just meet people. Yes. You hear so many stories of people just, you know, like... Paris, Vienna, you just go to a cafe and then they're like, and then they were just friends with everyone in this like art world. Yeah. It's like how? Yeah. You just got to hang out what? at the cafe and like you're in <laughs> and just how fun and inspiring I know. It, it would be. <laughs> but kind, this is kind of weird how they met. So. Okay. So obviously her older sister married Gustav's brother. But mm -hmm. when Ernst died in 1892, Gustav was made Helen's guardian, his brother's widow's oh. guardian. Which, it's like, how does that work? And I think it just means he was, like, financially supporting his brother's widowed wife. But, like, her parents were alive. It was just very strange. Oh. So I don't know huh. how that happens because she obviously is an adult woman. What? Yeah. <laughs> I was like, what just happened? Okay. Okay. So he started to just, like, hang out with his family even more, like, loved uh -huh. this family and okay. would, like, spend their summers, spend the summers with them in the countryside. Anyway, moving forward, <laughs> Klimt also, <laughs> like I said, designed clothing for her, but he did it in what was called the rational style, which was a feminist style that was all about mm. functionality and comfort while also being beautiful. Cute. And I was like, that yeah. is so fun. I wonder what that means. Probably, like, like no is... corsets. Yeah. And he introduced her to clients because, like, all the upper classes knew him because he would paint their portraits and stuff mm -hmm. like that. So, like, mm -hmm. was, like, getting her mm -hmm. business. Adele Blockbauer. Yep. We'll talk mm -hmm. about her. Mm -hmm. So, good job. <laughs> Fast forward to the final days of World War II. Her house had caught fire and destroyed her entire collection of garments. Oh, my God. It's like just when you think you're out of it. I know. And valuable objects that he had left her when he died. 
Oh my god. I know. Like her beautiful collection. Would love to know more yeah. about her and see her work. I know. I wonder if she, yeah, there's like archives of I know. Anything. Yeah, I was curious. Yeah. Um and then, you know, one of the most famous and influential artists in the world bequeathed her mm-hmm. items that were That's lost. Oh. I know. And then she passed away at the age of 77 in 1952. And like I said earlier, I don't think she ever got married or had children, as far as I know. Okay. I mean, that's the way to do it if you're wealthy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Okay, back to Gustav. In 1900, he completed the ceiling of the Great Hall of the University of Vienna, and it was completely torn to bits by the <gasps> critics because it was thought to be too pornographic. Oh, well, <laughs> like, Google loves immediately. Eroticism, you know? <laughs> and it's like, here it is in the university. Here's some, like, yeah. sex for everyone to look at. Yeah. And then after that, he was like, I'm done with commissioned art by the public. He's like, fuck yeah. that. Like, I don't All need this. Prudes. They don't appreciate it. <laughs> yeah. Let me paint what I want. I'm going to want to paint boobs. Oh, funny. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to paint curvy ladies. <laughs> Yeah. Sharp turn here. Okay. Mm-hmm. The Nazis destroyed this no. art when they came into Vienna and burned down the building in May of 1945. So, unfortunately, because of their Fuckers. evil doing, mm-hmm. it doesn't exist anymore. How disappointing. I know. I wonder if there's images. I think there are. I'll do what yeah. I can. To see if okay. we can post this on the Eurofile. <laughs> okay. But you probably guessed it. This is not the last we'll hear of the Nazis in this episode. Okay. Yeah. So a quote on one of his paintings from 1899 reads, If you cannot please everyone with your deeds and your art, please only a few. To please many is bad. We get it. You're not basic. Yes. Put it out there. <laughs> <laughs> do what you want yeah he was like all about shaking things up i think like come around Mm -hmm. this time he was like i'm so over being this conventional thing yeah this is when he starts going and summering with the fluga family and he paints some landscapes during this time Mm -hmm. and the locals in this town called him waldschrott which means forest demon hairy guy in like this weird outfit painting landscapes in the middle of forest <laughs> you know i don't know what he looks like actually i'll, I'll get a, a photo yeah okay waltrot i just like that made me giggle demon. <laughs> i was like this kook imagine spending so much time in the forest that someone calls you <laughs> yes that. like the locals that's your new name waltrot oh here we are we've come to the golden phase of his life and <gasps> okay. career let that here wash over you. The golden haze. Close your eyes. Picture mm, it. In the rays. <laughs> <laughs> so this phase of his life was marked by critical praise and financial mm. success. Breaking it yes. in. It is undeniably beautiful. Yes. A stunning. Magical. During this time, he doesn't travel much. He, like, loves Vienna, but he does mm. go to Venice and Ravenna which is in northern Italy, mm. and their mosaics inspire his gold techniques and, like, Byzantine imagery. Yes, totally. You can tell. There's, like, a holiness yeah. to the people. Yes. And the, obviously in the kiss, Halo. like, all the little patchwork-looking, yeah. like, tiles uh-huh. inspired. I was like, yeah. that's interesting. 
<laughs> and when he's at home working, which is literally all the time, he mm-hmm. wears sandals and a long robe with no undergarments. No, I love him. <laughs> I know. I was like, that's like how I want to live my life. <laughs> that's like Picasso. <laughs> like no adornments. For someone with such beautiful art, yeah. he was like so simple. And he like didn't even really go to cafes, wasn't in society. He just mm. stayed at home. Well, cancer crab. <laughs> yep. I'm at home. Click, click, go. And he doesn't socialize with other artists. He just, like, devotes himself to his art and, like, his family mm. members who are still with mm. him. And he still was very sexually active throughout this period. Mm-hmm. He avoided any social scandals and was super private about things. So it's like, I don't know how mm. he could have avoided that, but maybe he wasn't trash. Maybe. I would like to hope. Also interesting, he never painted mm-hmm. a self-portrait. He didn't keep a diary. Oh. He was not self-involved. Like, you uh-huh. imagine... What's that like? A gra- I don't know. <laughs> a Leo who I don't know what can't like. understand. <laughs> I literally cannot wrap my brain around that. <laughs> oh, my God. So here we are. We've come to the end of his life. He passed away in Vienna on February 6th, 1918, after suffering a stroke Mm -hmm. and having pneumonia the same year as the Spanish influenza epidemic that was happening. Oh, my God. Okay. His last words reportedly were, Emilie must come. Oh, I know. No. (laughs) Stab me in the heart Mm -hmm. now. I know. Oh, my God. And she inherits half of his estate and the other half going to his family. Mm -hmm. He left numerous unfinished paintings, was buried in Vienna. And I'm going to tell you a couple prices of paintings of his that have been sold at auction. Because it's like insane. Mm -hmm. One of his oil paintings in 2003, it's called The Longhouse um, Otter Sea. Sold for twenty nine million one hundred and twenty eight thousand dollars. I think that was a record breaking. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then in two thousand sixteen, he did several portraits of Adele Blackbauer. Adele Blackbauer two sold for a hundred and fifty million dollars. Just insane. Yeah. Okay. So remember how I said we're going to go on two tangents? Well, we covered one, Emily. We're going to yeah. cover the second one, which happened posthumous, humanously. Oh. Humously? Yep, which happened posthumously. <laughs> okay. <laughs> we are going to talk about Adele Blackbauer and her yes. family and Nazis and the Austrian government, all that stuff. Ugh, okay. Yeah. So in 2006, a woman named Maria Altman, who is a Jewish refugee living in Los Angeles, mm-hmm. with the help of a young lawyer named Randall Schoenberg, fought with Mm -hmm. the Austrian government over a decade to get Klimt paintings back from the Nazis who had stolen them from her family. The Nazis had stolen five. Among them was the woman in gold, the famous one of Adele Blackbauer. I literally have chills and I fucking know this story. (laughs) Yeah, I know. I was like, people probably know this, but like, it's so worth retelling. It's important. Yeah. 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 Maria's aunt was Adele Blackbauer. And Mm -hmm. she would see that painting, very famous, and it just reminded her of her family's Austrian heritage and happier times Mm pre-World War II. So Maria's family was very wealthy. We have Ferdinand, who was Adele's husband. He was like a huge sugar magnet. 
and they had a, mm. an extensive art mm-hmm. collection. I imagine, mm. you know, living in the same circles as Gustave, like super fun, super mm-hmm. ritzy. And mm. Maria remembers when she was a little girl, Klimt's paintings hanging in Adele's private apartment. And uh-huh. Adele in the painting is wearing a diamond choker. So when M- Maria gets married, Adele's husband Ferdinand gave her that choker that oh, was in the okay. painting. And in March 1938, oh I know, like, are you kidding? <laughs> Incredible. In March 1938, the Nazis march into Austria, take all the paintings. Mm. They take everything from her uncle and took mm-hmm. all of Maria's fine jewelry. The jewelry would go straight to Mrs. Goering, wife of Hermann Ew. Goering, Hitler's second what? in command. Isn't that disgusting? Just hearing that, the specifics of that, really gave me a chill down my spine. Mm -hmm. Just so sick. It shouldn't have been taken in the first place. And the fact that it went to this... The worst... Evil demon family. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Ew. And a few months later, Maria and her husband flee to Los Angeles. Okay. This is so fucked up. Austria refused to give back the art to surviving Jewish families, which is obviously something we already know about. Yeah, yeah. Instead, this is what they said. Oh, oh, you want this painting back? You need to give us two more. It's like, what the fuck? No. Okay. And the family was told that the Klimps would be held at the Belvedere Museum. Because in, this is so shady, in Adele's will, Mm -hmm. she says, I want the paintings donated to the Belvedere. I remember But they weren't hers to donate. They were her husband's. And her husband dies shortly Um. after the war. And he bequeathed everything to a nephew, Maria, and Maria's sister. Mm-hmm. And the Austrian government is like, no, you donated the paintings to the Belvedere with Adele's wishes. And it's like, no, they were stolen. They were put there. And you're just like making yeah. that up. Like it's, it, yeah. yeah. 50 years passed. And now mm-hmm. Austria opened its archives and Maria discovered that was not true that they really were hers and like the mm-hmm. austrian government was lying to them and saying adele mm-hmm. left them to us i mean i get why they're lying you know keeping something that culturally important but like it's not yours yeah exactly <laughs> just insane how is there no empathy yeah. it's wild mm-hmm. and so this is when she gets in contact with randall the lawyer and they decide to go to court in the u.s because the art was taken out of violation of international law. They're like, we might have better Mm. luck if we try this in the U.S. It goes to the Supreme Court, whether even if they could take on the case in the U.S. Sure. And the the Supreme Court says yes. Mm. And then the Austrian arbitration panel decides that the five Klimt paintings do belong to the Altmans, and the works were brought to America. Wow. And they were all displayed in one room, and her family was able to see them privately. Mm. And Randall, mm. the lawyer, said that it was an incredibly emotional, yeah. unreal experience to like be in that room with the family and see those five paintings. Like, can you? Like, I, I gotta I take like... a breath. <laughs> I know. Oh my God. Well, yeah, like tears I in my know. eyes. <laughs> like, how can you? Your family leaves, fleeing for their life. Yeah, and like. I'm sure they knew people or had family that died right. in concentration camps and Jesus. Yeah. Like, that's crazy. Decades later, they're able to see these things that, like, the one thing left of home to remind them of their family. Yeah. 
the family eventually did sell the paintings as they thought they were found that they were too valuable for like them to hold on to and maria yeah. passes away in 2011 and that's the story of Gustav Klimt, Ooh, Maria Altman, <laughs> Amelie Louise Fluga. What a journey. I'm sure was Gustav amazing. was happy that the paintings mm. ended up with his dear friend's family. Yeah. Well, love it. Yeah. My aunt and uncle have the kiss. <laughs> My mom has the kiss in, too. In, in their bathroom. Yeah. <laughs> this is beautiful. So beautiful. Think of how many college dorms yeah. have a, a print of the kiss. Yeah. Oh, God, I love it. Wow, I didn't expect to cry retelling that story. But... I know. <laughs> well, we're very happy that Vienna is still like the cultural hub. Yes, absolutely. That it is today. Thank you, Kat. Thank Gustav. you. Gustav. Dankeschön. We love you. We you love know. your sexy self. Sexy your style. Sex loving self. <laughs> <laughs> Throw on your robes. Put on a pair of slippers. Yep. Mm-hmm. For, for Gustav. <laughs> I know. Okay. Well, Kate, what do you have for me okay. now today? So I have the very brief history of the Viennese waltz. <gasps> Ooh. Romance, <laughs> tension, passion. <laughs> yes. The Viennese waltz actually emerged at the second half of the 18th century. It's like comes from a German dance mm. that's called the Volta, which in Italian, I don't know how it got this name, but in Italian, it just means like turn. Oh, okay. Later, the Landler in Austria. So due to its, like, close hold, like, yeah. you're having two hands on each other, mm, right? Yeah. Okay. And quick rotations, the waltz was once known as the Forbidden Dance. <gasps> oh, too sexy. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so the Volta, like, the precursor to the waltz, mm-hmm. was danced by members of affluent society, and it became scandalous <gasps> because oh. of, like, the close hold yeah. and, like, techniques. Young debutantes could never. Yeah. Could never. <laughs> So, like, that eventually faded from existence. So, like, that's why we really don't know anything about, like, I've never heard of the Volta. I don't know what that is. But it wasn't until this time that couples danced together. Oh. People didn't dance together. (gasps) Really? Before. Okay. Before Mm. the Volts and the Volta, people danced together around with, like, no contact or, like, very little contact at all. Okay. The best example of this is, like, American line dancing. Like, think about that. Yes. Oh. Yeah. It's it's more of, like, like a group thing. Yes. Yeah. It's, like, think of a – this is so dumb, but, like, a flash dance. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Okay. Got it. (laughs) I remember those being a thing, like, 10 years ago. I know. (laughs) Yeah. So glad that's over. So when – the waltz and the volta started gaining popularity it was like criticized mm-hmm. obviously because of the closeness yeah. and religious leaders deemed it oh. vulgar and simple <laughs> and mm-hmm. lame prudes <laughs> okay fine so dances like i said before had always been in the style of line dancing okay it's like where couples would dance the same steps side by side in groups same thing got line it dancing mm-hmm. i can hear you know, Garth Brooks in the background. <laughs> and <laughs> <Yeehaw>. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> what changed this 
is that as soon as high society starts like getting their like little paws on these dances because <laughs> yes. you know they come from like folk dances and like those are like the origins right. of like the landler that i talked about was like a folk dance like farmers and peasants okay. would dance it mm-hmm. in austria so once you know high society got their like gloved hands yeah. on it they developed a focus on posture and elegance oh. and basically like made it Okay. Okay. And like made it a part of society. The second you said posture, I was like, I perked up in my chair. I'm like, (laughs) must be like them. (laughs) Yeah. So the form we know today was actually born in Vienna and like the suburbs of Vienna. Okay. And Austria's mountain region. So it's like a blend of the two. Okay. For example, this is funny. (laughs) So when this all you know, was coming, the Volta and the Waltz and Mm -hmm. all of these dances are, like, becoming popular. In 1592, Johann von Munster described this horror by seeing men grasp the lady in an unseemly place, you know, the small of her back, and called for the dance to be banned. (laughs) Okay. So, you know. Get off your high um, horse and join in the fun. Like I said, as soon as high society gets their hands on it, like, posture, Also, like, someone please touch the small of my back. I'm, like, (laughs) begging you to touch the small of my back. (laughs) You have full permission to do that. (laughs) Okay, so then in Vienna, the city that obviously we know, it's so known for, like, waltzing. Mm-hmm. The Viennese, there are different types of waltzes, but, you know, Viennese waltz right. is, like, kind of what we are most familiar seeing. Okay. That is Kira Knightley yes. and Mr. Darcy yes. in a uh, room Oh, chills. I know. I'm like, I just want to watch a Joe Wright movie <laughs> mm-hmm. and see Kira Knightley and whoever cutie she's with yep twirling around and everyone else no one else is in the room it happens in anna karenina too (laughs) it's a good move i love that trope never drop it okay it's said that louis the 13th heir to the french throne at the time so like this is in like the 1600s he considered the dance indelicate and therefore forbade it in court wow at that time it was the volta what another prude yeah, I know. So someone basically brought it, the Volta, to English society. Okay. They were like, this is so exotic and yeah. cool. And <laughs> From like, the continent. <laughs> so European, yeah. you know. A pamphlet was distributed mm. in 1797, mm-hmm. and it was titled, Proof That Waltzing is the Main Source of Weakness of the Body and Mind in Our Generation. <laughs> okay. <laughs> They loved like, to pin their agendas like, on literally anything. One year it was gin, like <laughs> then it's beer, then it's I the know. waltz. I know. Okay, so there is this building called Apollo Hall, and it became like the center of this waltz craze oh, in Vienna. Great. And it was from 1808 to 1812. And the Apollo had five large ballrooms mm-hmm. and 44 other public rooms, in addition to three glass houses, oh. 13 kitchens, an artificial waterfall, Stop. a lake with live swans, oh. and flowers and trees that bloomed year round. So ba- oh you're waltzing. Oh my God. You're waltzing. You're having Until you like, drop in a glass house. In this like, beautiful place. Like, there are swans. Oh. Yes. Sign me up. Mm. 
picture at grand scale everything is cold just like everything is lit up with candles beautiful one chandelier in the room in one ballroom held 5,000 candles oh my god so it is just picture oh the lighting so flattering romance yeah so the musicians were like tastefully hidden so it just seemed like (gasps) you're in a movie the music is float floating up oh my god (laughs) i know (laughs) The fee, the entrance fee, was 25 guilders. Okay. And it could accommodate up to 5,000 patrons. So it was really geared towards high class. Yeah. Like, that was a lot of money back then. And, like, basically, who are you rubbing shoulders with tonight? You could meet your your future spouse. Like, you could meet a dashing young gentleman who's gonna you're gonna Mm -hmm. waltz with and touch the smell of your back Mm -hmm. (laughs) and so the dancing hall catered to the wealthiest citizens of vienna and stories were shared of members lighting cigars with burning banknotes oh oh my god that sounds so fake but i like too good to be true it's so fun i I love it oh my god that's so cool then in 1864, Strauss, <gasps> Johann Strauss, yes. okay. um, composer, he exclusively, <laughs> he exclusively composes waltz uh, music. Oh, like beautiful. The waltz yeah. And he earned the title Waltz King. <sighs> and three years later, in 1867, he composes on the beautiful blue Danube mm-hmm. and which is commonly known as the Danube Waltz. Okay. Waltz. Mm-hmm. And it is recognized as the unofficial Austrian anthem. I'm oh. gonna play that for you. Oh good. <laughs> Great. Thank you. I felt like I was there. Uh, right? <laughs> so the Viennese waltz continued to be popular until the 1940s when anti-German sentiments removed it from right. mm-hmm. all the dance competitions and all the standardized dances of that time. Okay. If there was like a ball or something, they just removed it. Ugh. Fuck you. Yeah. And after the war in 1950, Paul Krebs and his wife, Margit, won the Viennese Waltz in professional German championships, which Mm -hmm. basically like gave it like the seal of approval. Okay. That it's like in the canon of dance again. Okay. Good. It's the style that we see today. That's like what we know. Okay. Is what they danced in 1950. Okay. So. Wow. Thanks to Paul and Margit. Is the history. Of the vaults. What romance. Thank you so much, Kate. That was really great. (laughs) Reading about the ballroom. What a dream. I don't know if it still exists today. I'm assuming. I thought you were going to say with all the candles, something terrible happened. Like, I was was like, (laughs) waiting. (laughs) But no, I hope not. (laughs) No. But yeah, so. Wonderful. Have you ever tried to dance the waltz? No. Or like, I I tried. I was researching this because I watched some videos. Oh my god, fun. <laughs> it looks not terrible. Like, not terribly hard. Okay. Which is another reason why when the Volta transformed into the waltz, dance teachers really did not like the waltz because they were like, it's so pedestrian. Oh. Like, you don't have to, like, learn god. that many things okay. for it, you mm-hmm. know? It's not like, you can, like, pick it up in 
five minutes. Okay. It's not something oh, come on. that you need lessons and lessons on. Yeah. So they were just like, we don't like this because <laughs> it's too easy. Yeah. It's scandalous and too easy. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure the kind of waltzing versus ballroom dance waltzing mm-hmm. is, you know, yeah. that's harder. <laughs> and apparently... It's a tradition in Vienna on New Year's Eve oh, stop. to vaults in the New Year. Oh my God! Please, one year Isn't we're doing that. that. So cute! <gasps> oh, that's so waltzing in the street yes. in the snow. No like, better uh, no. way to bring in the New Year, really. <laughs> I know. How cute. Oh my God! And that's beautiful. All right. Okay. Do you have a recommendation for me? Yes, I do. I did, however, text you about it the other day because I was too excited. I know. I hate when like <laughs> we it's can't so keep hard because we talk yeah. too often. <laughs> so on the radio the other day, mm-hmm. they were like, "We're gonna play this song that is it's a year old but new to us." And I was like, "Well, it's new to me." Mm. Called Jolie Nana, and the artist is Aya Nakamura, and she is a French oh, yes. pop okay. singer. But like, uh-huh. I imagine it's like going out in the clubs in Paris. It is so yeah. fun. It's got a little like Afro. Yes, it does. Fun. Yeah, yeah. It is super fun. And I've been like singing it in my head ever since, and I've played it several times. Mm-hmm. And it is just super fun, like clubbing <laughs> in Paris vibes. And so I highly recommend Aya Nakamura. What do you have for me? What's your recommendation okay, for me? My recommendation the show behind her eyes. Let me tell you. Okay. It, it, it's on Netflix. It's a new show. Mm-hmm. It's a mini series, only six episodes. There is a double twist, and I am just naive in general. <laughs> so I am just always like what? shocked. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Me too. I didn't see that coming, even though there was like fucking clues the whole time. <laughs> this was a sneaky one. Ooh. Like this. What's what's it about? Okay, so it's this woman Louise who is, okay, first of all, let's talk about this. She has a secretarial job that she works three days a week and is able to afford a really nice apartment Is it present day? Okay, lies. Yeah, (laughs) it is. Yeah, no way. Not in London. You'd make, like, nothing. I mean, maybe, like, it's subsidized housing, but it's, like, a really cute apartment. Okay. And then it's about how she meets this couple, but she's, like, has relationships. They're not, like, sexual. Well, one is, but (laughs) two relationships concurrently going on in this fucked up toxic marriage. Whoa. Ooh. It's so good. (laughs) Okay. And I think, you know, my favorite pastime is guessing people's zodiac signs. (laughs) I would like to go on the record and say that I think Louise is a Scorpio. Okay. This fictional character. I just like to say that. <laughs> okay. And that's all. There is a Scottish guy in there. He's not Scottish in real life, unfortunately, but he is a snack. <laughs> okay. He's, he's almost like too good looking where you're like, I just don't trust it. <laughs> yes. I don't trust you because <laughs> yeah. you're so good looking. I get it. <laughs> but like that comes into play in the show. Oh. Like I can't. It's so good. And I told Jen about this and she hated it, but she hates like a lot of fun things. So. <laughs> oh, Jen. <laughs> what's it on she knows she knows she'll love that i saw that (laughs) okay well i need to watch that for sure okay if you have a problem with things making sense don't watch it (laughs) if you can just leave it be okay this is the show for you okay great thank you shall we wrap things up do you have a word of the day yes the word that i found is called oida directly translates it means old one 
more like alter, but colloquially it means like dude, holy shit. <laughs> <laughs> no way. Like, how do you say it again? Oida. Oida. <laughs> That's good. That's a good one. Well, good find. (laughs) Well, thank you so much, Kate. Great word. Great, beautiful little mini topic. Oh my God. Thank you. Gusta. (laughs) Dankeschön. Oh, Dankeschön. And thank you, everyone, for listening. We will catch you next week. Ciao. Auf Wiedersehen.